Lisa. Hello, Diana. Welcome to our podcast. Our podcast, formerly known as What Should We Write About? Yes, formerly. Um, maybe still. We maybe have to still. decide. <laughs> Sometimes maybe known as What Should We Write About? If you were listening to episode zero. Mm-hmm, exactly. So, uh, topic one. Should we change the name of our podcast? Should we? It's a great question posed by uh, one of our listeners. Yeah, yeah. One of our early listeners, early birds, Louisa Beck, a radio producer extraordinaire. And uh, she she didn't really ask, should we? <laughs> she asked, <laughs> it was you? more like, what if you? <laughs> yeah, that's a really nice way to pose a question. It's a really um, curious, gentle way to give feedback. Exactly. I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, we showed, I, I, Diana, showed Louisa um, the Slack channel we've been keeping of episode ideas. We have a lot of episode ideas. We have enough episode ideas to last us a very long time. We've been extremely busy since our inaugural Zeroith episode in October. Zero with. That's a great way mm-hmm. to say it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a while ago. Now it's February. We yeah. recorded the zeroth one in October, but we have not been sitting on our hands. No. Uh, no, we certainly have not. Um, not in terms of the podcast or anything else in life. Would you, Diana, would you like to give a, a little recap of things that have happened in your life? Well, yeah. So the main thing is I don't live in Germany anymore. No. I I really, in episode zero, I think I made a particular effort to orient our listeners, let them know where we were. We were in San Francisco together. It was really just a, a temporary moment where you were visiting. It felt so nice to be together. And now... That's our whole lives. <laughs> <laughs> That's our whole lives. Yeah, so turns out I moved. Um, I left Berlin in December, but I knew it was happening by the end of October. And now I'm back in San Francisco. And uh, my apartment's still pretty empty, but at least I have one. That's really quite a feat mm-hmm. these days in yes, the city. So in the city. Good job to you. Thank you. It was really good Craigslisting. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're, I'm settled enough that it seemed like time to pick things back up again. So uh, we revisited the Slack channel um, mm-hmm. and, you know, started asking friends for advice. A favorite pursuit of someone uh, who's deep into a side project is asking for a lot of advice on it, mainly as a way of... Uh, achieving momentum mm-hmm. and ideally escape velocity and yeah, so I would yeah. say I would say escape velocity for getting out of the slack channels and into the real world exactly Cause, exactly because there's been quite a lot of momentum there mm-hmm for sure so uh, one of our many slack channels is called hashtag episode ideas and so I showed this to Louisa and she pointed out that all of the ideas were in the form of a sentence with a question mark at the end. Mm-hmm. And all of those sentences started with... Should we? Should we? <laughs> so, uh, 
about, do you want to talk about the original idea for the podcast? Yeah, I mean, the original idea was, um, well, for us to talk about all the things we should be writing about or might want to write about, because it's so much easier to talk about writing than it is to actually write. Um, but actually, I, I really think Louisa has a great point, you know, because our, our questions, our episode ideas, our conversations, they really go far beyond writing. I mean, I think there are things we'll cover that we actually shouldn't write about. Yeah. We just need to ask, should we do them mm -hmm. or not? And, you know, the big epiphany is that it's easier to talk about anything than it is to actually do something about it. So, <laughs> exactly. you know, we're go I think we want to go big, you know, uh -huh. don't want to really limit ourselves to only one medium of mm -hmm. action. And oh, this reminds me, we might need a new tagline then, you know, because <sighs> it's for, for writers who'd rather talk. Yeah, for people, for people who'd rather talk. <laughs> Talk about things they yeah well, or who <clears throat> like to talk about things a lot before doing them yeah why act when you could gab or something like <laughs> that? we'll figure it out well yeah. should we change our tagline can be a future topic yes yeah and if anyone has suggestions just let us know just let us know we're very flexible here <laughs> in the early stages of. What should we write about slash should we? Mm -hmm. I guess we haven't really made a decision yet. Have yeah. we? We've made yeah. a decision. Yeah. I think we have. I've made a decision. I'm yeah. for it. I'm for it, too. Okay, great. We are for it. Good. We're always on the same page, Sam. <laughs> okay, we've changed our name. So that's great. We've answered the first question on the agenda. I like that. Yeah. Forward momentum. Escape velocity. Yes. Um... Uh, should we <laughs> move on to our second topic I'm into of it. the day? Yeah, great. Okay. This is a topic that is very close to my heart. Should we end well? Amen. Um, I, so in our pre-chat, I let Diana know that I wanted to talk about this. Uh, and it seemed to really spark your interest. And I have a lot to say about it, but I haven't revealed any of it to you. So, I'm very curious, Diana, what came to mind when I asked this question? Well, a lot, because I just ended a big phase of my life in Berlin, right? So, I distinctly remember writing a newsletter at some point. I have this newsletter called Expert Novice. The title of each one is... Uh, what I've learned lately. Mm -hmm. And I've probably been like your your first subscriber. Yeah. I hope. Yeah, I hope so too. Long, long time <laughs> subscriber. Um, and I remember writing the sentence, I'm learning what it means to end well. And that sentence came about when I was wrapping up at Harvard Business School, I think, before moving to Germany. So it was very much on my mind then. How do you end a phase of your life abruptly. It's very different in school than in the rest of life because there's graduation, there's a lot going on, there's a lot of celebrations, a lot of everybody finishing at once. So you get to reflect with a bunch of people going through the same thing at the same time. When you leave a city, no one cares. Right. Especially not with the internet. 
Well, he- here's the other interesting thing about school and ending. So first of all, the ending of school is called commencement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so interesting, right? And that's actually why I love endings, why I'm so fascinated by them, is because they make way for beginnings. But I think for the most part, people are afraid of endings and they tend to avoid them um, and uh, be in denial about them. Uh, But when it comes to school, there are all these preordained rituals that you do to help you over the threshold because ending is hard. Change is hard. It's hard to say goodbye. It's very emotional and it's weird to be in a context where not everyone is feeling inconvenient emotions. I did have some very nice quasi-emotional moments with some of my now former co-workers, but it's weird to feel so intensely about something that other people in their day-to-day are uh, very matter-of-fact about. But anyway, ending at a time that different people are not ending, the people around you are not ending, is itself weird. Um, and then your point about beginnings is exactly right. Like when I got here to San Francisco and my whole life was in disarray and I was living out of suitcases and commuting in from where I was house sitting in the East Bay, people would ask me how I was doing and I'd say, you know, I love beginning. So this is like my jam, you know, and I'm, this is fine. I, it's a lot of logistics. It's a lot of Amazon Prime deliveries. It's a lot of Craigslist searching. All but the things you're really good at. I'm so good at them. <laughs> I'm so good at them. And they all come with this sense of intense possibility. Mm-hmm. Actually, though, I'd just done the mirror image of each of those in Germany. Uh, and it was not so fun because there were so many ways it could go wrong. It was my last chance to do a lot of different things. Um, what could have gone wrong? Like we could have not gotten our security deposit back or we could have missed the plane that we were taking back to the United States or, you know, we could have miscalculated how many boxes we were going to ship, which we definitely did and (laughs) paid the price for. So there were just so many things that could go wrong and not a lot of certainty about what was waiting on the other side. And that was really hard. Right. I think uh, there's also this piece about setting expectations. So contrasting with school again, when you start school, the expectation is you will end school, (laughs) like with your cohort, hopefully, um, within a certain amount of time, you kind of know when it's going to be, what it's going to take, what it's going to cost you to get there. Generally, you can estimate those things. Um, But when it comes to life beyond school, uh, you never really know. Even once you make a big decision, you it's really hard to estimate um, all, the, all the factors and variables that will go into it. Right, and it's so hard to know when it's time to bring a phase to an end. When the decision mm-hmm. rests with you and it's not made for you, then it, the ball's in your court and it's very tempting to only make a move once things have gotten irrevocably bad or irrevocably over, like some aspect of it has withered and now you're moving on. But my intention is always to, you know, end while things are still good. Right. But that takes so much foresight. And it's also hard to say if it's good right now, why wouldn't it stay good forever, you know? Right. 
you can never really predict like um, if if things are going well, then you wonder um, is this as good as it's ever going to be, or uh, is the future going to be even better? Uh, if things are going badly, you you also never know. Like, should I just stick stick it out um, because the best moments are still to come, or am I already in that like withering stage? Exactly, and. Thinking back on my time in Germany, it's so interesting because basically the moment I moved there, people started asking me how long I was planning to stay. Mm -hmm. And because I was an expat, the expectation was that it wouldn't be forever. And I held that expectation as well, but I also wanted to give it a fair shot. And I wanted to allow for the possibility that I would love it so much that it would be where I lived forever and I would make that decision. And so when people would ask me how long I was staying for, I would say indefinitely. And that was mm -hmm. the best word I found to represent, you know, probably someday I'll leave, but I might not. And I'm trying to act as though it's forever in this moment. Oh man, that uh, makes me realize maybe the reason why I have so much nostalgia for Berlin is because probably from the first day I was there, I knew it was temporary. I, I did some things to try and make it feel like it was forever, like really um, uh, finding an apartment I loved and committing to it, even though eventually I had to break my lease and move on earlier than I thought. Um, I kind of wanted it to be forever, but because it was so temporary, every moment I I appreciated, I was kind of like soaking in everything that was good before I might lose it. Right, and that appreciation of something that's not going to last forever, that is time-bound, that's what you get in school, and you can create for yourself, but only if you lead a somewhat tentative life like how do we get right. the best parts of presentism without <laughs> <laughs> exactly because I really don't like the mindset of um uh live like today is your last day on earth or something I hate that I mean that is that is terrible for someone who's an overachiever like <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically you just ruin yourself every day you know, I think there's something so wonderful about, like, leisure and enjoying the simplicities of the everyday and not making everything about, like, accomplishing or, or checking things off a, a life list or something. Um, you, I don't think you can enjoy time and let it stretch in the same way when you're like, oh no, maybe today is my last day. Um, uh, but on the other hand, how, how can you be present? Right. Does being present necessitate a certain low level of dread? <laughs> <laughs> and, and urgency. Yeah. Okay. So I also want to bring this topic back to our podcast. Um, I have a theory about ending well, which is that it, it's about setting expectation, low expectations <laughs> up front. Um, so, for example, with our podcast, 
to create the circumstances for a future ending that is graceful, I might say, this is an experiment. There's no guarantee that there's going to be another episode. And that should be our mindset for every episode, if there are other episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I so agree with that, and I've reorganized my entire life around that assumption. I wrote this piece called No More Forever Projects Mm -hmm. that talked about uh, the weird obligation instincts that kick into gear when you don't set uh, an ending ahead of time, when you don't time box it. But I'm also starting to worry that calling everything an experiment does an injustice to my ambition. Right. So so the downside of the everything is an experiment thing is I, I don't think that that should just be permission to... Uh, put things out in the world in a really haphazard way, you know? I mean, both of us really care so much about quality and we have really high standards and, and, and lots, of, lots of ambition. So on the other hand, we shouldn't underestimate what we're trying to achieve. Right, and it can be really hard to tell people this matters to me because I don't want anyone else to feel obligated to to pay attention. But I had this interesting experience this week where I wrote a short piece of speculative fiction as part of a friend's writing prompt experiment on Medium. And it was the first piece of fiction that I've published online in many, many years, if not ever. And I really enjoyed writing it, but was sensitive about having written it. It felt like a risk. And when I tweeted about it on Monday, my initial tweet about it was like, just some casual weekend sci-fi link. And like, nobody read it, basically. (laughs) And I felt so bad, but I also had to admit that I'd been really low-key about it, partly because I didn't want anyone who reads the rest of my writing to feel obligated to get on board with this new kind of writing. I didn't want people to be doing it out of guilt or whatever. But it turns out I really did want people to at least give it a try. So later that week, I tweeted about it again, but with the preface of like, you know, this is the first time I published speculative fiction online in public. Like Mm -hmm. it was fun thanks to the people who inspired it. And a lot more people read it that time. (laughs) And so it was a true lesson for me in at least being honest about what I hope to get out of something and what success would look like. I didn't need that post to reach hundreds, thousands, millions of people, but I did want the people who would enjoy it, who know me, to find it. And finding that sweet spot of promoting something just enough without setting Mm -hmm. unrealistic expectations is something I always struggle with. Right, right. That really speaks to how hard it is to try something new in public and figuring out what is... The right way to frame it. Yeah. Have you struggled with anything similar? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I definitely have. Um, and I think uh, particularly before I actually worked in technology, I experimented so much online. I think because, um, you know, the, the stakes felt lower or I, I don't I don't know why but 
Um, you know, I was always trying every new tool and platform that you introduced me to and kind of testing my voice there, um, writing things that were just in a whole range of, of tones and on, on a range of subjects. Um, but then I think because writing on the internet became my job, uh, the stakes felt a lot higher. So, so now it, it, like, I don't share as frequently online, but I would like to. I mean, I think that's, that has something to do with the, the premise for this podcast, that I actually want to hear my own voice again. And I've always been much more comfortable hearing my voice in writing. Um, but I'm kind of curious about the actual sound of my own voice, too, and I hope that that will um, kind of help me reconnect with the way I want to be writing, just, you know, personally. Completely. I was thinking about the phrase high stakes and how stakes and hopes are really related. Um, and, you know, stakes are also the risk you're taking, and something that I'm trying to remind myself of every day right now is that I take risks in order to learn. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to tell myself that many times per day because in the moment, everything feels high stakes. You know, I'm very, uh, I think a lot about consequences and asking myself, you know, what's the worst that could happen? What's the best that could happen? And accepting pretty high variance on that as long as the absolute uh, and the absolute bookends are not so awful. You know, if the mm -hmm. best that could happen is that I make a friend out of it and the worst that could happen is that nobody listens or somebody doesn't speak to me again, like, if it's one in, one out, <laughs> that's sort of okay. Right. I, it's also very interesting to think about how, you know, there was a time when each of us could try things online and no one was watching. And so the risk, like, it feels like a risk, um, but the benefits, the potential benefit is just so great that you could go from no one listening and you not uh, saying anything to like, maybe someone will discover this. Maybe someone will connect with me. But then at a certain point after doing that, after connecting with people online and in real life, you, you don't want to disappoint them. Like you actually know there will be a certain number of people who, who, who are watching, who will be curious about whatever you um, put out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the responsibility to the persona that I've already built is not something I think a lot about, but that I definitely feel. And, you know, that's why a new format can be really fun. And, you know, Every piece of writing I do is a big struggle, and I do it alone, and usually I have to eat, like, a whole bag of frozen mango chunks, <laughs> like, at best, yeah, you know, yeah. To, to make it happen. Totally. And for me, 
I mean, the number of words I write is directly correlated with the amount of sugar I eat. (laughs) I mean, just when, uh, actually back in November, for the first two weeks of November, I did NaNoWriMo. I kind of fell off (laughs) towards the end. I did not end well (laughs) for NaNoWriMo, but... In those first two weeks, I mean, all bets were off. Like, I just came home from work, laid down on the couch with my computer on my chest so I could feel like a brain with hands, as we've talked about before. And I would just have a sugary, terrible snack next to me and just eat and type, eat and type. Like, the keyboard gets very gross. I mean, it's really, it's really a mess. But I wrote 20,000 words in two weeks, which is, wow, so much more than I have written in a long, long time. So it was worth it, but it took a lot of snacks. Right, right. And, you know, knowing that if you're requiring the energy to put something new into the world, something else is going to have to give. Trade-offs yeah. are another really hard thing for me to accept, but oh yeah, yeah, we could talk a lot about trade-offs. Maybe we, we should talk about should we make trade-offs in a future episode? Should we make trade-offs? So okay, this this question actually leads me into um, another topic that I was hoping we could talk about today. Let's do it. Which is skincare. Should we do skincare? <laughs> is my question here. So. <laughs> The background uh, of this question is that um, recently Diana introduced me to these interesting masks. What what are they called? They're sheet masks. Sheet masks. Okay. Very interesting. I mean, kind of scary when you pull this wobbly thing out of the little envelope and you put it on your face and you look a little scary. It also, if you stay standing up, it just kind of um, slides down your face. So you need to get horizontal fast. Very weird. I was very skeptical. But I think it did what it said it was going to do. It said it would make my face bright. And it felt so bright, luminous, after the fact. So I was like, okay, this is very interesting. So then, this past weekend, I was just window shopping. And I went into Origins, and the shop was totally empty. And, of course, one of the people working there asked me if I wanted a facial. Now, never in my life would I have said yes to such a thing. (laughs) I'm always too busy, and also, like, I don't want someone touching my face, and and I don't really know what's going to be involved, and whatever. But I was, like... I was up for it. So I said yes. And it was an excellent decision. And they put many, many things on my face. A whole series of things. And they smelled so good and interesting. Each one was different. There was some, uh, there was some peppermint and some ginger and, oh my gosh, all kinds of things. And afterwards, I felt like my face looked different. It looks really good. I mean, Thank you. really. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I was like, is it just me or what? I feel pretty good about my face now. Okay, so here's the thing about trade-offs. When I was in high school, I actually sold beauty control, which is like similar to Avon, 
I was super into it. Uh, I was such a businesswoman, such an entrepreneur with this beauty control thing. And I totally bought into the product line. I used a whole array of skincare products and I really needed them. Like I was constantly having breakouts. I had a lot of trouble with my skin. The thing was, you know, it was expensive and complicated and it took a lot of time to apply all of those products to your face in the right order. Um, and then over time, I felt like, first of all, I needed to simplify, like moving around so many times. You can't put all those bottles in your moving boxes and your suitcase. Um, and I just didn't have time for it. And then eventually I didn't need it. I didn't have skin problems um, that were on my mind. But, Diana, do you think the trade-off is worth it for skincare? I mean, it's like, should you buy in to the whole set and the expense and the ritual and everything? Or should you not? I'm really, I'm, I'm uh, on the precipice right now, again. You could get sucked back in. I could. So easily. Yeah. What do you think? I've gone back and forth on this as well. And... To me, it's all about the intention that I'm setting. So the thing that I love about those sheet masks, and I'd been reading a lot about them online for a while, people posting about them on Instagram, people tweeting about them. It's very on trend. And the thing that ultimately convinced me to give it a try was somebody saying, you know, my sheet mask time is my me time, basically. Uh -huh. It's these 20 minutes that I devote to relaxation, which is you know, and I'm now putting words in your mouth, but it's like, that's probably what I need to do to improve my skin anyway, is just, you know, lie down <laughs> and chill out. Aha, uh -huh. to improve your skin and your life. Yes, exactly. So, you know, the thing that's great about the sheet masks is that I buy these, I think, Korean ones that have, um, you know, a very cute and funny uh, amount of text on the cover, and they use this frayed phrase prescriptment, which I am interpreting to be their way of saying prescription, but without getting into like medical territory, but it sounds yeah. a lot like prescription. And right. the idea is that it tells you why you would use this sheet mask, what it's mm -hmm. designed to achieve. And I read this article a few years ago about how the placebo effect is actually not only measurably always there in medical trials, but it's getting stronger over time. We, I don't know why. Oh I mean, this God. was an article from a few years ago, but it was in Wired, so I think it's pretty legit. And if it was on the internet, <laughs> then I believe you. It's definitely true. So basically, these sheet masks are this package that has an intention spelled out on the cover. And, mm. you know, yours was, I intend to make my skin brighter. Mine was something else. But I remember I brought an array over and you were, it was like, which one do you want? Which outcome is the most important to you right now? Yeah. And I believe that even if it's hokey and not really effective, setting the intention and doing something about it that you think should do something can actually bring about that outcome. And it's not just like, and you know, then I told the universe my wish. It's like, no, that's the way complex systems work inside you is like, if you expect it to work then maybe it will. But the sheet mask is great because it's not so much fiddling. 
Um, but it's mainly about the hope and the rest. And, mm-hmm. you know, that seems like the right package to me. And then there's a whole other realm of things you can do that are more about enacting self-care by asking for help. And so mm-hmm. your origins facial is more of the category of, you know, enact self-care by asking for help. So my current opinion on skincare is I've been disappointed a lot in the past when I buy into a whole system and then mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to work well over time or I start wondering whether I'm just not applying it right. But this idea of mixing, investing in self-care by asking for help and then setting an intention and mainly just resting uh, <laughs> seems very high potential to me. And what I like about a sheet mask is that no matter how often you do it, it's a special occasion every time because it's single serving. Also, it's an amazing business model and I would <laughs> love to understand uh, the rise yeah. of the trend. But yeah, I feel like there surprisingly, there are a lot of connections between what we're talking about right now and what we talked about with ending well. Yeah. You know? The idea of setting expectations at the beginning, um, having rituals to help you through like a beginning or an end. I mean, that's like, that's what magic is sometimes. Saying what you want to happen and then letting it happen. That's, that's why, you know, in so many different settings, uh, religious settings, there's an element of like prayer or a chant or like speaking what you want to be true or recognizing the present as you proceed into some ritual. You're so right, Lisa. And even better, the idea of a single serving sheet mask is just like this is just an experiment and uh-huh. you know, it's this is the last this is the last chance, this is the first chance. Right. Well that's what's nice about the sheet masks is that you can buy one. Uh, so, so there's not the element of commitment either. It can be a one-time experience that's really special. With these, like, bottles, you know, they last for a while. So that feels like a big commitment that that could lose its beauty or you could lose the magic of the experiment, of the experience over time. So, you know... I, for me, like, I get to a point where something like that is very mundane, and I'm like, ugh, okay, and I start cutting out different pieces of it to the point where I'm only doing a little bit of it, and it doesn't have the same effect, uh, but of course it doesn't, because I'm not doing the whole thing. All the pieces matter. Right, you have to do the whole package deal and expect a lot out of it, just doing things out of obligation basically nullifies the positive potential of self-care. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, okay, also bringing this back to the podcast, this is what we we don't want to get to. I mean, this is episode one. Uh, so the idea of feeling obligated to do this podcast seems like very impossible, very distant. But we never want to get there, you know? Yeah, never. And I think that one of the reasons I felt comfortable committing to do it indefinitely was because we've been friends indefinitely (laughs) and it's just us talking. So, I mean, I think that there's a kernel of good at the center that is pretty indivisible. 
Um, but if there's a hoopla around it that, you know, builds because of whatever reason, because of its success or because of our attempts at making it more successful, then who knows what could happen. But, you know, if we ever stop making the podcast, we can still talk to each other on weekends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, the podcast is just uh, a special treat. And I feel like, okay, on the one hand, I want this podcast to kind of replicate that, the conversations that we, it's just a, a way to let people eavesdrop on our uh, conversations, but you have to admit, it's a little bit different, and I like it. Me too. I feel held to a higher bar, and my favorite thing in both of the podcasts we've recorded so far has been that planning for an end creates a pressure around bringing it all together and calling back to the beginning so that there's a satisfying ending. Right. And uh, I don't feel that pressure in regular conversations, but one of the great joys of writing and narrative is completing the arc. And we get arcs here in a way that we wouldn't if we were just chilling out. Right, because otherwise our conversations are just ongoing. We're always kind of picking up where we left off and, and we do a lot of like updates, the, the things that, as we talked about before, would go into morning pages. But I think carving out this special time... Uh, helps us wander into territories we wouldn't otherwise. Agreed. Well, I think it's a wrap. <laughs> I think so, too. That seems like a good place to end. Yeah. Should, should we end? <laughs> we should. 